Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to episode 18 of the North American Outdoors podcast. My name is Heidi Rayo, and I am coming to you again from the great state of Wyoming. To continue our discussion with brown bears and black bears, we're going to talk about bear encounters. Bears are dangerous. Every encounter has the potential to end up in death. Outdoors men and women must understand that when entering bear country, their actions can either encourage a bear encounter or prevent it. Prevention begins with knowledge and preparation. There are skills that can be employed to greatly reduce the chance encounter with a bear. The outdoors man and woman should know how to identify the signs that could indicate the presence of a bear. Additionally, he or she should know the proper procedures and safety precautions for entering the bear's world to reduce the risk of an encounter. Most confrontations between bears and humans can be avoided when people have a firm understanding of bear behavior and reasons for bear-human conflicts. Humans must show the bear's respect. Oftentimes, the inexperienced outdoors man or woman has a misrepresented image of how a bear should or should not act in their mind, based on characters from cartoons, movies, or just cute photographs. Unfortunately, people behave inappropriately with these animals far too frequently. People do senseless things to bears, such as throwing rocks at a foraging bear from only a few feet away, or trying to entice a bear with food so it will stand on its hind legs and dance just so the tourist can get a better picture. The majority of the time, people are responsible for determining whether the outcome of a bear encounter will be good or bad. Most bears tend to be wary of humans and often will do anything to avoid them in their path. There are a few exceptions, such as the food-conditioned bear. A bear that has had previous contact with people and was rewarded with food or trash is considered a food-conditioned bear. 
The result is bad for the bear and for people. Any wildlife conservation officer will tell you that a fed bear is a dead bear. Food-conditioned bears will eventually become nuisances and have to be killed. Once a bear associates people with food, it becomes a potential threat to all people in any future encounters. Such food conditioning, however, is entirely preventable. By paying attention to signage, modifying camping practices, and using proper food storage and trash disposal, people can nearly eliminate the risk of wilderness bear confrontations. Knowledge of bear behavior also helps prepare a person in the event of a confrontation. If you see a bear and the bear studies you intently, this may not always be the beginning of an attack. The animal may just be surveying the situation, trying to identify what sort of creature it has encountered and whether it might be in danger or not. Once the bear realizes it had happened upon a person, the bear usually moves away, going about its business and leaving you alone. Close encounters with a bear will bring the courageous human being to stand at attention. In order to prevent an attack, statistics show the best way to react to bears when you see them. If you see a bear that is far away or does not see you, turn around and go back the way you came. Better yet, circle far around the bear, giving it plenty of space. Do not disturb the bear. If you see a bear that is close or the bear does actually see you, stay calm. The bear may approach or stand on their hind legs to get a better look at you. The bear is just being curious. The best reaction is to be human. Stand as tall as you can. Wave your arms above your head and speak in a loud and low voice. Never, ever run. Stand your ground and make yourself appear much larger than you actually are. Back away very slowly and diagonally, always keeping your eyes on the bear. If you encounter a bear and it begins charging towards you, again, do not run. Olympic sprinters cannot outrun a bear. Running may trigger an instinctive reaction for the bear to chase you. Although not too comforting to the person being charged, many times a charging bear will come within just a few feet of a person and then veer off at the last moment. Continue to stand your ground and be human, again, as tall and loud with a deep, low voice as you can. Make a lot of noise and wave your arms high above your head. If you have surprised a bear or an attack is imminent and making noise or appearing larger than life has not discouraged the charging or attacking bear, the best thing you can do is play dead. Curl up in a ball with your hands entwined behind your neck. Curling in a fetal position protects your vital organs. Lie as still as you possibly can in this situation and be very silent. A surprised bear will usually stop attacking once you are no longer a threat and are thought to be dead. If the bear continues to attack even after you have tried all of the above and even played dead, your last resort is to fight back. Fight back with everything you have within your reach, sticks, rocks, or your own hands and feet. Yell and scream and be as loud as you can be. Oftentimes, this will startle the bear and it will retreat. No rational human being would enter the water if he or she knew a great white shark was present. Yet every day, people enter the realm of the bear. 
There are signs that bears leave behind that can alert the outdoors man and woman that a bear is present. The most common bear sign is the marking on trees. There are two types of tree marks that indicate the presence of a bear. The first one is the vertical stripping of bark from a tree with its claws. The other one is the girdling around the trunk of a tree. The vertical stripping of bark from trees is a way that a bear marks its territory. It is usually accomplished by the bear standing on its hind legs and reaching up and dragging its claws down the trunk. Black bears can leave marks up to 8 feet off the ground, and brown bears can leave marks between 10 and 12 feet off the ground. Girdling is the stripping of the bark around the lower trunk. This is normally done to get the sap and the soft underside of the tree. Trees that have been girdled often look as if the bark has been removed and the tree underneath is polished. Girdling can be done 360 degrees around the base of the tree or just on one side. Often, the damage done to the tree by this type of marking allows for the infestation of insects and diseases. This can ultimately kill the tree. There are large tracts of trees in areas with a large population of bears that have been destroyed because of this activity. These two types of markings can alert an outdoors man or woman to the presence of a bear depending on how fresh the marks are. Fresh sap is a good indication of the age of the markings. The next sign the outdoors man needs to familiarize himself or herself with are bear tracks. Bear tracks look surprisingly similar to that of a barefooted human. The hind paws of a bear are usually larger than their front paws. The front paws of an adult male bear are approximately four and a half inches long by four and a half inches wide. Its rear paws are approximately seven inches long by four inches wide. The black bear's toes are also arched in relation to the heel and with space in between the toes. The claw marks of a black bear track are normally not visible, but if they are, the marks are very close to the toes. Brown bears, on the other hand, have a very distinct track. The grizzly bear claims the second largest track of all of the brown bears. The front paws of an adult male grizzly bear are approximately five and one-fourth inches long by five and a half inches wide. Its rear paws are approximately 10 inches long by 6 inches wide. The front paws of an adult male Kodiak bear are approximately 8 inches long by 9 inches wide, and its rear paws are approximately 16 inches long by 10.5 inches wide. The brown bear's toes are in a straight line in relation to the heel, and there are no spaces in between their toes. The toes of the brown bear also touch and are represented in their track. Side by side, one can easily distinguish a black bear track from a brown bear track. Bears hibernate during the winter months in most areas around the world. Hibernation is an adaptation to a seasonal shortage of food, low environmental temperatures, and even snow cover on the ground. Duration of winter denning is dependent upon latitude and varies from a few days or weeks for black bears in Mexico to six months or more for bears in Alaska. The denning period in Yellowstone National Park, for example, is approximately five months. Body temperature for hibernating bears remains above 88 degrees Fahrenheit, 
which is within 12 degrees Fahrenheit of their normal body temperature of 100 to 101 degrees Fahrenheit. This allows bears to react to danger quicker than hibernators whose body temperature may be less than 40 degrees and who have to warm up before they can move quickly. Many scientists now consider bears to be super hibernators. Due to the highly insulated pelts of bears and their lower surface area to mass ratio than smaller hibernators, body heat is lost slowly, which enables bears to cut their metabolic rate by 50 to 60%. Respirations in bears decrease from 6 to 10 breaths per minute normally to one breath every 45 seconds during hibernation. They experience a drop in heart rate from 40 to 50 beats per minute during the summer to 8 to 19 beats per minute during hibernation. Mammals that experience lower body temperatures during hibernation, such as chipmunks and ground squirrels, must awaken every few days to raise their body temperature move around, urinate, and eat. Grizzly bears and black bears generally do not eat, drink, defecate, or urinate during hibernation. Bears live off a layer of fat built up during the summer and fall months prior to hibernation. Waste products are produced. However, instead of disposing of their metabolic waste, bears recycle it. The urea produced from fat metabolism, which is fatal at high levels, is broken down and the resulting nitrogen is used by the bear to build protein. This allows them to maintain muscle mass and organ tissues. Bears lose fat and may actually increase lean body mass while hibernating due to this nitrogen recycling. Bears may lose 15 to 30% of their body weight during hibernation. Hibernation dens can be very difficult to spot. This can be a very dangerous situation if someone increases activity in that area. The opening to a bear den can be surprisingly small. An individual setting up camp near a den with a hibernating bear can create a situation of awakening the animal and quickly creating a life-threatening situation. Bear tracks around an opening in the ground, a cave, or an old mine can indicate a sleeping bear or bears. Another indication would be fresh excavation of earth around the entrance of a den. Bears can excavate over a ton of earth when digging a den. Also, around the front den could be more subtle signs, such as melting snow near the opening from the heat loss of the den, or yellow snow from urination from the bear marking its home for the winter. The presence of bedding material around the entrance of the den could indicate the existence of a female bear with cubs. This could indicate a female adding insulation to the floor of the den, preparing for birth. Bedding materials can consist of pine needles, grasses, moss, and other types of vegetation, and can be up to nine inches deep. It is always wise to steer clear of a den, but a den with a mother and cubs can be especially dangerous. The presence of bear scat or poop can indicate that this large predator is in the area. Bear scat is usually non-segmented and tubular. The ends are round and blunt. Bear scat can be confused with human feces or even horse feces. There is usually vegetation present in bear scat. Scat can be a sign of how long it was left by how fresh it is, what the bear has been eating, and how big the bear is. This is important for the outdoorsman and woman to know. 
bear scat with little vegetation inside and lots of carry-on could indicate that a fresh kill is near. A fresh kill in the area creates a very dangerous situation. The only thing more dangerous than stumbling onto a fresh kill is to get in between a mother bear and her cubs. If there is an active kill in the area, there is an active bear in the area. Black and brown bears will protect their kills very ferociously. As a rule, most bears will cover their kill. A bear will cover its prey, not bury it. It does this by using vegetation, sticks, rocks, dirt, or whatever else it can find. The covered kill site will usually have tracks and scat around it. This can help the outdoorsman distinguish a bear kill site from a mountain lion kill site. The act of covering the kill will also distinguish it from a wolf kill site due to the fact that wolves do not cover their prey. The carcass of the kill can also indicate which predator is responsible. The carcass of a bear kill shows lots of trauma. The prey usually shows signs of ripping and tearing. The kill of a mountain lion, for example, is usually a lot cleaner. The prey appears to have been cut up with sharp shears and with clean cuts. The smell of rotting flesh can indicate an active kill site. An individual trekking through the backcountry that comes across a foul smell should proceed with extreme caution. If the kill is very fresh, there may not be a strong odor emanating from it. A very fresh kill site can be detected by a large group of ravens or buzzards in an area. Once the outdoorsman gets the first hint that he or she is near a kill site, that individual needs to slowly back away from the area and take another route. The worst thing anyone can do when near a kill site is to investigate what the smell is and where it's originating from. The second worst thing to do is to leave the area by running, which could trigger an attack. There are some things that the outdoorsman can do to decrease the chances of having an unintended bear encounter. The first thing that an outdoor enthusiast can do is to stay in groups of two or more people when hiking. A 1993 study reported that 57% of all injuries sustained by bear encounters were to individuals walking alone in bear country. This was compared to 29% of injuries of individuals walking in pairs. It is also important to limit activities between dusk and dawn. This is when most bears are active. Many encounters come as a result of a hiker surprising a bear. Therefore, if an individual has to walk around at night, he or she should use a flashlight to alert any bears in the vicinity. A spooked bear is much more dangerous than a bear that is aware of your presence. Another technique knowledgeable outdoors men and women are aware of is to make as much noise as possible when hiking through the backcountry. Talking loudly and frequently, shouting out, and making as much noise as possible is a good way of letting your presence be known. Some savvy backpackers even go as far as putting bells on their backpacks or attaching pots and pans to the outside of their packs. These are great practices of letting the bears know that you are there, but are often impractical. Most outdoor enthusiasts are out to see nature, unwind with a quiet hike, view wildlife, or go hunting and fishing. Making a bunch of noise can ruin an outing for other individuals in the area. The individuals in bear country must decide what is more important, 
communing with nature, or coming face-to-face with one of nature's deadliest animals. The last thing to remember when hiking is to trust your senses. If you feel something is not right, stop where you are and assess the situation. If you spot a bear, keep your distance. At that point, start looking for an escape route and take a detour. If something does not look right, retreat. Walk back slowly the way you came. Never run. This, more often than not, triggers an attack. Also, never investigate a foul odor. This could also indicate an active kill site. When camping in bear country, always keep a clean camp. A bear has a very good sense of smell and is attracted to all odors, both good and bad. Never camp near trash cans, garbage dumps, or other campers who are not bear savvy. Never leave cooking items in the open if you leave your campsite. Cook over a stove instead of a campfire whenever possible. It's easier to contain food in a controlled environment. No food should be allowed to fall on the ground. Food that does fall on the ground needs to be scooped up along with any earth that has the smell on it. It is also very important not to sleep in the clothes that you cooked in. There should be no items considered a smellable in the tent. Almost everything we take into bear country is a smellable. All items that smell need to be stored in a bear-proof container or in your vehicle. If in the backcountry, these items need to be hung in a bear bag. Most campgrounds in bear country have bear-proof trash cans and bear-proof containers for storing food and smellable items. Smellable items include anything edible, toiletries, soap, lip balm, water bottles, and even clothes washed in detergent. Clothes taken into bear country should be washed at least once without detergent to dilute the smell. The backcountry provides unique challenges to removing smellable items from the campsite. In most cases, bear bags can be used. Bear bags can be made out of any sack, stuff sack, or canvas bag. Tent bags and sleeping bag stuff sacks can also double as bear bags. The smellable items are placed inside. In brown bear country, the bear bag is then tied to a rope thrown over a limb that can be used to hoist the bag at least 15 feet off the ground, six feet from the trunk of a tree, and at least four feet from the limb it is hung from. This means that the limb chosen to hang the bear bag from must be at least 16 feet off the ground. If camping in black bear country and one is certain that there are no brown bears present, The bag can be hung a little bit lower, but the other distances must be adhered to. The bear bags need to be hung at least 100 yards from the campsite. Everything needs to go inside these bags. Multiple bags can be hung to separate items for different uses. It is also a good idea that bear bags be used day and night. When camping in the backcountry in the very northern part of North America, Hanging a bear bag is not that easy. Once you get above the timberline or are on the tundra, trees are very scarce. In this instance, gather all smellable items, including food, and take them as far away from camp as possible. Place the items on top of a large boulder if one is available. 
It is important to remember the need to get smellable items away from camp when picking a campsite. Campsites should be picked with the concept of bear proofing in mind. Individuals engaged in hunting and fishing have another dilemma to contend with, the game meat they have just acquired. Hunters need to hang the meat from their kills out of reach of bears and as far away from camp as possible. The game that a hunter takes is what the bear normally preys upon. The predator knows the smell and associates the smell with food. In essence, when the hunter hangs his game, he or she is enticing a larger predator to come and eat it. It is no different than a trapper baiting a trap for any animal and using its preferred food as the lure. Always be on full alert. Unless you are specifically hunting for one, never intentionally approach a bear. When stalking game, be very aware of the possibility of surprising a bear. If you do surprise one, again, appear larger than life by waving your hands above your head and talking calmly and loudly. If you are hunting with a partner, stand side by side to make yourselves look even larger. Carrying bear spray is highly recommended when in bear country. Make sure it is on your person at all times and readily accessible if needed. Bear spray is easy to use and has proven to be effective in stopping bear attacks or minimizing injuries when properly used at close range. Far more bear encounters arise once you have successfully hunted and downed a large game animal. In most instances, you will be packing out your animal one large piece or quarter at a time. That means multiple trips to and from the kill site, therefore increasing the risk of a bear conflict. Immediately field dress your game animal after the kill. Avoid opening the gut cavity, if possible, until after you have salvaged all other edible meat. Removing the hide first and avoiding the gut cavity will help limit additional odors. Be alert for bears that may be drawn to your kill site. Move all the meat away from brushy areas as soon as you can. Try to pack out all the meat in one trip if you're able to. If not, place the remaining meat in game bags and hang them from a tree or collect them in an open area at least 100 yards from the kill site. Leave the gut pile an excess carcass for the bears. As you are finishing your hunt, heavily flag the area with environment-friendly or biodegradable materials to warn other hunters or hikers of the kill site. You may even place a tall stick with a flag to capture someone's attention in the middle of the gut pile. This will not only alert anyone who approaches that area of the potential dangers of incoming bears, but it will also give you a visual indication of anything that may have disturbed your kill site as you return to the site for further loads of meat. Approach these flagged areas with caution and continually be on the lookout for bears. Make sure you remove any flagging tape on your last trip out of the area. While packing out game meat, continue to talk loudly sing, and make lots of noise to announce your presence to any bears in the area. If you return to your kill site for another load of meat and find a bear has claimed it, do not try to drive the bear away. Not only will you provoke an attack, your game meat has probably already spoiled. Once you have successfully packed out your meat and have returned to camp, make sure you store your meat in a significant distance from your camp while you will be sleeping. 
Place any bloody clothes in a sealed plastic bag in the same location as your meat. You want the meat and clothing to be far enough away from camp so an attacking bear will not be distracted by you, but close enough for you to keep an eye on your items. The best situation is to hang meat in bear bags in trees at least 15 feet above the ground. If there are no trees around, another alternative is to place items in a secure bag on top of a large boulder away from your campsite. There are a variety of portable electric fences available on the market to help protect your camping area as well as the meat storage area. Other products include motion detectors and electronic tripwire alarm systems. A less expensive alternative to these devices is stringing pots and pans around your campsite and also your meat storage area to alert you of any unwanted intruders. Fishermen also need to be on alert, be aware of their surroundings, and always be prepared. They must handle their catch with care. Splashing fish attracts bears. If the bear is close enough to spot splashing, stop fishing. If the bear approaches you while you have a fish on the line, give it more slack or cut the line to eliminate additional splashing. As soon as you catch a fish, immediately kill it, then bleed it in the water. This can be done by cutting the gill arches or removing the gills and gutting the fish. After the fish is bled, it needs to be placed in a bear-proof container or on a stringer kept in the water at all times and near you. Ice chests are not bear-proof. All entrails or leftover fish parts after being filleted need to be cut up into small pieces and thrown into the fast current of the river or stream. This will carry the leftovers away from you. If a bear arrives at your fishing spot, let them have it. If you have a fish on the line when a bear is present, stop fishing to avoid causing the fish to splash and attract the bear. If the fish continues to thrash, free spool the line or cut it. The idea is not to lure the bear in by providing it an easy meal. Store all food, bait, fishy smelling clothing, line and tackle in a bear proof container or in your vehicle. If you are in a remote location, dispose of trash by burning it in a campfire and then dispersing the ashes. You can also store trash in a portable bear resistant trash container. Always keep food in your vehicle or bear-proof container. If you encounter a bear, give it the right of way and offer it a way to retreat. Never make a bear feel as if it's cornered. This will only trigger an attack. If the bear does not immediately run away, make yourself look larger by waving your arms, a stick, or a backpack, and if with others, stand side by side. At the same time, start yelling and backing away slowly. If possible, bang pots and pans together, blow a whistle, and throw rocks at the animal. While in the presence of trying to scare the bear off, the individual faced with this threat needs to start looking for an escape route. Bears are extremely fast and can maintain their speed for long distances. The black bear can run at speeds between 25 and 30 miles per hour. Brown bears can run at speeds between 35 and 40 miles per hour. It is impossible to outrun a bear in long distances. Therefore, if an attack is imminent, look for a relatively close escape route. The most logical place to escape is to climb up a tree. 
It is common knowledge among outdoorsmen that a bear will often bluff charge. But who wants to wait around to see if an angry bear is bluffing? Black bears are very good tree climbers. Their short, curved claws are ideal for climbing up a tree. A black bear's first line of defense when frightened is to climb up a tree. If a black bear decides to attack, climbing a tree is a good option. Just be aware that you may have company. As long as you are in the tree, the bear cannot pin you to the ground. Brown bears, on the other hand, are not very good climbers. Their size and physiology is not conducive to getting up a tree. Their claws are straighter than that of the black bear for digging up roots and small mammals out of burrows and excavating dens. That is not to say that they cannot climb trees, only that they are not experts at it. If there are no low-hanging limbs, brown bears find it very difficult to climb. That does not mean you are safe. Remember, brown bears can stand up to 12 feet tall. Anyone trying to escape a brown bear must climb fast and get as far off the ground as possible. Bears communicate with each other by establishing a pecking order in situations where they encounter each other. The dominant bear, or alpha, is always in charge. Bears communicate their supremacy by intimidating their challenger. Bears do not fight with each other unless absolutely necessary. Fighting risks injury, which is not the objective. Posturing of the bear is crucial. Bears understand a language of dominance and submission. Bears transmit information through a diverse range of body language, vocalizations, and odor signals. Bears communicate to keep cubs close to their mothers, find mates, and be recognized in social situations among other bears. Bears communicate through dominance and submission, aggression, or recognition. A bear may sit down or move away to show submission. He may exhibit more aggressive behavior like lunging suddenly towards a threat and slapping the ground or surrounding vegetation. It has been reported that black bears slap the ground when they are apprehensive of their encounter. A grizzly bear's message is a bit stronger, oftentimes charging and attacking their threat after a few slaps of the paw on the ground. A bear uses head and mouth movements as well as body positioning. A bear may circle a threat with its head held high, then drop it and begin a series of short, open-mouthed lunges towards the threat. A disturbed bear may also have its ears flattened against its head. This not only warns the threat of the bear's agitation, but also protects the ears from bites if engaged in a battle. An approaching bear will often have their ears slanted forward towards their encounter. A bear may bluff charge its opponent, running full steam forward, then stopping short at the last moment. Prior to charging, the bear may lay his ears back on his head, lower his body closer to the ground, and fixate his eyes on the object of his attention. Bluffs are used to send a clear message of dominance and intimidation to a challenger. Bears often clack their teeth and suddenly make an explosive blowing noise. Another common sign of body language is a bear gaping or opening its jaws wide while in close proximity to another bear's face. Bears often wrestle with each other while jawing and sparring. This is similar behavior to watching dogs play. Bears also communicate through play. 
mothers and cubs play, siblings constantly touch and wrestle, and bears of similar social rank share body language through touch and play. Unlike the bears you see in movies with theatrical growls and roars, bears do not usually vocalize. When the need arises, they communicate with grunts by expelling air in different ways. Black bears are more likely to vocalize than brown bears. Black bears click their tongues and grunt, expel or blow air in various patterns associated with their body language, and clack their teeth. A mother bear can send her cubs scurrying up a tree with a single huff and then call them back down again with a grunt call. A final way of communication is through odor signals. Odors send messages to other members of the bear community. A bear can reveal a lot about himself through urine, feces, and body scent. Males use urine to advertise their presence during the breeding season, both to attract females and warn other males of his territory. Bears mark trees with their scent. This is usually done by standing on their hind legs and rubbing their backs, shoulders, and back of the head on a tree or other object. Any bear that passes a marked tree is sure to stop and smell it, identify it, and possibly add their own scent as well. When in bear country, there are many signs that will alert you to heavy bear traffic in the area. Fresh tracks, scat, bedding, scents, claw marks on trees, and so on. Being aware of your surroundings at all times is the best way to avoid a possible encounter. By understanding how bears communicate, you can help prevent an unwanted sighting or worse, an attack. Attacks are different between black bears and brown bears. A black bear charges low on its four legs. As it approaches its intended target, the black bear begins striking out with its powerful forearms to knock its target to the ground. It then starts biting and clawing its intended victim. Brown bears charge their victims in a fast, bounding charge that overpowers its target and runs them down. It will often rear back on its hind legs to attack the head of its victim. This bear uses its enormous body strength to overpower its intended victim. There are things that can be done during an actual attack to increase the chances of survival. If a bear attacks, you can either play dead or fight back. There are circumstances where one option is better than the other. The choice chosen is determined by the reason the bear is attacking. If you surprise a brown bear or get too close to a brown bear's cubs, you are a perceived threat. In this instance, lay flat on your stomach or curl up in a ball while protecting your neck and head. If you have on a backpack, leave it on for added protection. The bear should stop its attack once the perceived threat is over. When this occurs, remain motionless for as long as you can so you do not provoke another attack. If a brown bear is following you or enters your tent and attacks, your only option is to fight back. In this circumstance, the bear perceives you as food. When you fight a brown bear, you must turn into a mean street fighter. Use anything at your disposal and make as much noise as possible. You are literally fighting for your life. You need to try to remain standing as long as you can. It will almost be impossible to remain standing for long when an animal of this size is attacking you. The weight of these animals alone is enough to kill a person. The number of fatal bear encounters has steadily been on the increase. 
Between 2000 and 2009, there were 27 fatal bear attacks in North America. Of these attacks, 18 were committed by black bears and nine were committed by brown bears. Most of the attacks were committed by black bears because these animals are more common and have a much larger range than brown bears. The percentage of fatalities to encounters makes the brown bears the deadliest animal in North America. Very few people actually encounter a brown bear in the wild. These encounters are more likely to result in a dangerous situation. There are two forms of protection that have been proven effective to stop an attacking bear. One is some type of firearm and the other is bear spray. Both of these forms of protection have their advantages and disadvantages. There are also internal factors that determine what type of protection, if any, are utilized. Personal ethics and beliefs play a part in deciding how far an individual is willing to go to protect themselves. It is ultimately up to the individual on which form of protection is right for them. Be knowledgeable, be educated, and be safe anytime you're entering where these large wildlife predators roam. There is no better classroom than the outdoors, roaming the woods and waters, and creating memories that will last a lifetime. This is Heidi Rayo, and you have heard another North American Outdoors podcast. For more information, visit NorthAmericanOutdoors.org and follow on Instagram at North American Outdoors. Have a great day. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. Six, eight Western. Oh, a mule there, baby, right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.